Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Dearest listener, allow me to unveil a delightful secret. Snag Tights Craft Clothing that embraces every body shape. In a bold endeavor to revolutionize the fashion realm, Snag has triumphed. Permit me to draw your attention to the ingenious Chub Rub Shorts, crafted with moisture-wicking yarn, promising to keep you at least one degree cooler and utterly free from the discomfort of chafing. Free shipping on select orders. Thus, the more you snag, the more you save. Do not delay. Dear listener, experience the fashion revolution that is snag and visit snagtights.us today. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Katie's Crib. In this episode, we're talking about faith, religion, traditions, and how families blend them. This can be especially challenging when kids are added to the mix. It's definitely on my mind as we get into the holiday season. So, how do families honor those traditions without losing others? And how do we create new ones? I'm going to be talking to my dear friend, Sasha Sagan. She's a writer and a filmmaker. She'll share her experiences growing up and how she, her husband, and daughter are making it work now. And then I'm going to be talking to actress Yael Stone from Orange is the New Black. She actually pitched this whole idea. We were emailing back and forth, and she came up with it. And I was like, this is brilliant. We need to talk about it. She's on the podcast, and she will share how she and her partner value the importance of honoring family traditions and bringing their family's stories together. This is so exciting because we're doing the New York edition, um, and we are in the uh, awesome playroom in my New York apartment with such a good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about um, faith and religion and how families work to blend them or not blend them and how you do this whole thing. And today, I am here talking to my friend, Sasha Sagan, who has been a very close friend of mine since we were what? Like, I think like 19. Like 19 NYU days. Yes. And now we're sitting across from each other and we have children. Yes. <laughs> and like, how insane. did this happen? Insane. Oh, 
Sasha. I'm, I'm so happy to be sitting across <laughs> from you in this playroom. It is. <laughs> we're sitting, so you guys know, we're literally sitting in chairs for four-year-olds. Yes, yes. And they're actually, I'm surprised at how comfortable. Well, because you're so beautiful and and and, and fit my ass You're is pouring stop over my it. child chair um, <laughs> sasha can you tell us yes. a little bit about like what your upbringing personally was yes. like and if spirituality or religion was a part of your childhood and maybe a little bit about your family traditions so um, my dad was a scientist, um, an astronomer specifically, and he... Who says that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll start there. Um, and he and my mom um, wrote um, a lot of books together about science and a TV show in the 80s called Cosmos that my dad hosted, and my mom continues to write and produce the newer version. Um, it's so good. Thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm taking credit. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yes, it is so good. Mm -hmm. She is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, my parents raised us um, with a very scientific worldview. And the idea, you know, that's so central to science is that belief requires evidence. And if something doesn't stand up to scrutiny, when you question it, it might not be real. And, Whoa. and so, um, but the other side of it is, um, we are Jews, <laughs> but secular Jews, I would say. And part of the reason, I mean, Judaism has that sort of gray area where it's like an ethnic group, but also a religion and there, you know, there's a lot of sort of stuff there, but part of it is also cause like science and skepticism and secular humanism doesn't have culture. It doesn't have holidays. It doesn't have expressions. It doesn't have cuisine. Um, <laughs> doesn't have matzo ball soup. Yeah, it does not have matzo ball mm -hmm. soup or any other right. soup with dumplings in it, which right. seems to be a kind of universal sure. thing. We sort of merged these two things um, because, you know, even if you're skeptical or even if, you know, I wouldn't like, you know, we sort of talked about, we've talked about this in the past, like, Atheism has this connotation of like, I know for sure that there is no, no God. God. And right. that's not the camp I'm in. And agnosticism has the connotation of like, oh, I don't really care. I don't care. And I Who really care. Like, right. I'm very interested in this topic. But I sort of reserve belief with lack of evidence. So until, you know, I have information one way or the other, I would say I'm secular and that's how I was raised. But there's also... I was raised with the idea that there's so much to celebrate that is verifiably true. And that, you know, there is a secret code in your blood that connects you to your ancestors. And when your baby is born in their DNA. face, DNA, exactly. You can see your dad grandfather. And that is like a magical, mythical thing. And you can prove it and it's real. It's scientific. Whether you and believe it's it also, or not. Right, right, right. Exactly. So that's sort of my. Area well, both, of so both of your parents were Jewish. Yes. And they both, sounds like, had a pretty good handle on, on sort of this awesome melding yeah. of cultural Judaism, yes. maybe celebrating certain traditions, yes. but also... What did they say when you said to them, is there a God? Because well, I am scared. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, when Albie's old enough to be like... Is there one? Like I still like I honestly, you guys, like I don't I don't know when I don't know what I'm gonna say. Well, but I think that's the answer is 
I mean, if this is how you feel, obviously, if you're devoutly religious, of course, go, you know, of course. say what you believe. But if you're skeptical or I think I don't know is a totally acceptable answer. When you asked your parents, these secular scientists, yes, where, is there a God? Because I'm scared. Like, I know Albie's going to, and we'll get to this, but like, you know, Adam and I have were raised differently. Yeah. A lot of people in relationships raising yeah. a child come from their own set of traditions, their own set of belief systems. Yes. You know, I've even noticed in friends who I didn't even know to be religious, they suddenly have a child and they're baptizing yes. the child at one. And I didn't even know that person went to church or, you know, so children really bring about these Absolutely. big questions. So when you asked your parents. So it's so true. And when before I had my daughter, people would say, oh, you're not religious now. But once you have kids, you're going to be at I temple every Friday. Right, I, right. You know, and there is an urge to like celebrate and mark time. I think so much of it is about marking time. But in terms of, and I'm, I'm very pro celebration. I think there's so much to celebrate. But I don't think you also don't have to pick between belief and celebration, ritual, tradition. And so, growing, to answer your question, growing up, um, besides my secular <laughs> Jewish humanist parents, um, the other grown-up in our household who lived with us, who was a member of our family, was my nanny, Maruha Farhe. And she, before she became a nanny, um, she had been a cloistered nun in the Andes Mountains in Peru. She was, Holy crap. Yes. That's a, she wouldn't want to yeah, hear, hear that. There's a story for, no. <laughs> she had a sense of humor. Um, but um, it was, you know, she, the, her life story, I will tell you over a bottle of wine sometime. Fascinating, amazing, amazing woman. But she was devout, true believer. And, you know, we, she didn't drive. We would take her to church every Sunday. And sometimes oh. she would bring me. And I loved it because I loved like very ornate places where people are dressed up <laughs> as a child. And today that appealed to me. Um, and, you know, I knew that she believed something totally different than my parents believed. And it wasn't yeah, taboo to talk about. And Your parents um, were totally fine with her belief system and not and not telling her to like curb it in front oh of you God. or anything. Yeah, no, no censorship ever. I think about this a lot because my nanny is like, she's really hardcore Christian. I mean, she reads the Bible every day, repeats it to yeah. herself, you know, yeah. like she underlines things and yeah. it's, it's with her all yes. the time. She wears a cross yes. around her neck that my son constantly plays with. And yes. I'm like, wow, when he gets older and he starts to understand, like, how does this all fit in? Right. And you're, I respect the shit out of you and think you're the best. Thank so like, you. please, this is great. You. Tell me, tell so, me. So, okay. So one day when I was little, I went to my parents and I was like, look, Maruha says when you die, I was like very morbid child, <laughs> still now, um, but uh, you know, I was like, you know, very curious about death and I was like, Maruha says when you die, you're in heaven with God and angels and you guys say that it's like you're asleep forever with no dreams. Um, who, <laughs> who is right? And my parents, to their everlasting credit, smiling, joyous, in unison, said to me, nobody knows. I have such goosebumps. You know what I love about that statement? Yeah. They didn't say we don't know. Right. They said nobody knows. Right, 
Right, because nobody knows. I mean, as scientists, there's no nobody knows what happens after you die. Nobody knows. I and mean, it's only belief. It's or, such an amazing mystery because it's something nobody knows, but everyone will find out. Everyone will Which find out. Which is, and I think I don't know. Besides, I mean, it didn't give me like a lot of clarity about death, but it did give me a lot of clarity about well, life. You know, um, it was like this idea that like there is not an answer for everything, and there are some mysteries that like this, that everyone will find out. There are some things that we will never know. There are some things that our species didn't know for a long time, and now we understand. And I think that it's, you know, saying to a kid, I mean, listen, if you are very, you know, if you have total conviction, of course, tell your child what you believe. But if you have that little nagging doubt, or you believe part of it and not another part, or you say, I believe this, daddy believes this, um, we don't know, you know, I think saying we don't know, or I don't know even, to a child is such a sign of respect, and to say you have to figure this out for yourself, sure. you know, and I think that... Um, honesty. And honesty, because also once you start with the fibs, and of course there's always going to be lies of omission, and like, no, we're all out of ice cream, or whatever, you know what I mean, I think that's inevitable. But about the big philosophical stuff, right? The cracks are going to come eventually. Sure. And if you have lied about something like this, maybe later down the road, you know, I find it this causes, really creates a different problem. Yeah, like Kristen Bell, I know this for a fact. I've talked to her about this before. She, and this is a very interesting way to parent and I guess feels very right to her and Dax, but I know they are very honest with their kids like there is no Santa Claus. Right. I, and don't yeah. tell don't tell your friends. But and like I think there's something like, very valuable. But like about... do you think your mom would let a stranger come down her chimney yes. in the middle of the night while we were sleeping? No, she wouldn't. So there is no Santa Claus, but right. we're gonna give you gifts and a tree and everything. Well what are you gonna do? Okay, so this is the thing. Like who so you're married to John. Yes, I'm married to John. I love how your parents dealt with it. Now Thank how you. are you gonna do it? So John who is a dream. He is. he is not Jewish, um, and he was—he's the former stepson of a minister, and his family are varying degrees of religious or secular, but Christian, you know, in even secularly Christian, if that's a thing. Um, and he is—he also does not believe. Um, so we're in agreement about that. But there's, you know, it's Traditions very hard that he had. to break with. I mean, Christmas is extremely popular. <laughs> People really get into it. I don't know if you guys have noticed. Um, and it's Day like, after Thanksgiving, every right, single store exactly. is playing Christmas carols. And it's like, I mean, there's a whole other element of like, you know, I mean, and like I grew up with Hanukkah and, you know, we did Hanukkah, we did a secular version of Passover that was really more focused on like, the history of our people is that we were enslaved, and now, right now, there are people who, who are in, also who are enslaved, enslaved, and that's why poverty, we need to tell the story. Right. And this is this has to be a call to action to do right in the world, not necessarily that God parted the Red Sea and that's how we got out. But look how lucky we are now. Let's remember, not everyone is this lucky. Sure. And we had another spring holiday, which my mother invented for me, called Blossom Day, which is when the dogwood tree in the, like that we could see from the dining room bloomed, we would have a tea party. And I love that. It was great with my like dolls. And Are we, you going to do Blossom yes, Day with Helena? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you going to do Christmas? Well, so, okay. So oh, we've so, had one December. Yes. Yeah, so what happens? So 
we did Hanukkah, mm -hmm. we did Christmas, and I had somebody gave us like red and green stripy pajamas. And I was like putting her in them, and I was like, I can't, like, I was like, she has to wear these pajamas. And I was like, what is happening? Who am I right now? <laughs> and like, my, we were uh, leaving for a long drive the next day back to Boston, and my mother in law on Christmas Eve was like, let's just do presents on Christmas Eve because we have to get up very yeah. early the next day on Christmas. And I was like, no, she has to have Christmas morning. Like all the stuff that I would have never wow. thought was in there. But wow. what we did, so we did that stuff in a secular way, Hanukkah and Christmas. But what we did that I felt much more conviction about was we did a winter solstice thing. And so for me, Okay. All these traditions are based in like well, you're writing about this yes. right so now. So I'm right? writing about this right now, slowly but surely. No, um, mm -hmm. uh, and really, I think all around the world, different cultures, different religious groups, there is a grain of something scientifically real in almost all of our celebrations. Changing of the seasons, right? I mean, the winter solstice is intrinsically good. The days are going to start getting longer. The earth rotates at a, about 23 degree axial tilt and because of that we have seasons and the length of days change in different extremes depending on how far away from the equator you are. And if you live somewhere where it's been really dark and cold for months, knowing that tomorrow we start moving towards summer, the days are going to get longer. I mean, that is a cause for celebration that requires no faith. Mm. And it's a thrill and mm. it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And there are so many things like that that are at the root of so many celebrations. And also biological events, birth, coming of age, death, these are real scientific phenomena. Yeah, the bar mitzvah, the quinceanera. Exactly, like... all over the world. And some of them are these gorgeous performance art pieces about what it is like to grow up or to be born or to die. You know, marriage is sort of a kind of a coming of age thing sure. too. And, you know, I think that really at the root, we're all celebrating the same stuff. And we don't, if you, I mean, if you love the religious elements or the mythology, um, then that's, Fantastic, but if that doesn't speak to you, you can still have these parties and these coming together and this joy. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what's that's the most what's important. crucial. Yeah. And I think waking mm -hmm. up your I mean, she's a little too little right now, but waking up your kid and like midnight on the winter solstice and saying, This is how the earth moves. And because of that, tomorrow the days are going to start getting longer. And then having like, a feast and presence in the middle of the night. Is that what your winter solstice party is? Well, that's what we want to do. I mean, oh she was like, I, I mean, it was the middle of the night because she was like nursing. <laughs> she was like five so months old. Up. Right, yeah. But like, and she was, you know, I mean, but I, we have, we before we were even engaged, we talked about this idea of like having like maybe like a globe and a flashlight to like do a little. I love this. And I just feel like, you know, if you are religious, that stuff is still like the, you know, the way Easter the earth no. and Passover. Like this is right. all reborn. Spring. This is right. spring. Like the right. reason Easter is involved with baby bunnies and right. eggs Chocolate. and right. reborn right. Right. And, right. and tulips right. and like right. all this kind of stuff is because the earth is awakening again to springtime. Totally. And it's Passover and 
Easter or you know, one of many, many spring equinox celebrations that almost all have this thematic you know, thread of things looked really, really bad, <laughs> and then it worked out, right. and so have some hope. Right. And that is what spring is, right? It's like this, like, th like it looked like we were totally Never going to see sunlight again, right, and exactly. no, nothing was growing out of the ground, we're starving, right. we're freezing. Right, and it's like, you know, I think if you, I guess what I would hope is that even if you are devout, that stuff is still true about like spring is beautiful, the winter solstice is amazing, a baby is born, I mean, you know, uh, someone goes through puberty. Yes. Like, these are amazing, That's a bar mitzvah. That's things. a quinceanera, yeah. Right? Somebody goes from being a child to being in a position, survive, I mean, for most of history, it was just amazing. You could survive to adolescence. Mm -hmm. And then now you're a member of the, you know, the tribe. You get to make yes. decisions. You get to Have start to think about making more people. You know, all of these things. I mean, it's amazing. Oof, goosebumps. So this is like the stuff you're gonna you're writing yes. about and you're working on. Oh my yes. god, I cannot wait <laughs> to read that. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made to be seen, very sexy push up bra from the Very Sexy Collection in on trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com.
Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes, clothing that not only promises but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. I love this way that you're raising Helena. Do you feel any pressures? I mean, obviously the Christmas morning that you feel, whether that was from John's family and his upbringing or more like societal, like just being raised in America and seeing the Christmas story or Miracle on 34th Street or the Santa Claus at the mall. It's like, this is these are pressures that you Absolutely. have to decide and where I've you spent fit in that. So much time being like, I don't need that stuff. I've got my like, but it wasn't my parents really, are secular side. Right, you know, right, we're right, like, right, right. Exactly. I mean, Christmas specifically is so it's hard. I mean, it's really hard to not feel left out. I'll just be totally real. And I mean, I have so many. I have three very good friends who emigrated here from. Um, parts of the world that are not Christian, from China and from the Middle East, and they, all three of them independently of each other, when they arrived as children, believed that Christmas was an American holiday and did not, then thought, oh, well, we're American now, so we're as entitled to celebrate it as the Archbishop of Canterbury, (laughs) right, and only later realized that it had a religious connotation. For my daughter, it was more like, well, I mean, she's she's half, I mean, Christian is sort of uh, implies her, that's her theology, but her ancestors are Christian. I mean, you know, John is the descendant of one of uh, this guy, John Robinson, who was the uh, pastor to the pilgrims. Um, like, I mean. Oh my God, now that you mention it, yeah, he really looks like. Like a pilgrim. Like, no, he just, re- like if I was in central casting, yes. like, like he's very handsome, you yeah. guys, but he, he really looks handsome. like, he's very handsome, but he really could be like he stepped off the Mayflower. Yes, well he, I mean, somewhere, somewhere did. Somewhere, somewhere yes. he did. So, you know, and I just felt like for our daughter, like I'm not going to say, well, my stuff is, you know, like I'm getting a 51% vote here, you know, and he he didn't really have that, like, he wasn't like, we got to put her in the stripy red and green pajamas or anything, but I just feel like, you know, it's like the more options that she has, the more culture, the more that she's exposed to, the more celebrations, the better. And then someday she'll say, I love this, I hate this. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I can't believe you made me do this. I hate you. You know, all this normal stuff. Mom, waking me up in the middle of the night with a flashlight and a globe. Yeah. Do you know what it was like? I'm down for that. (laughs) Do you know what it was like to go to school and say to my friends? Today's today's Blossom Day. But like, could you imagine she's going to bring all of her friends over for Blossom Day? Oh my God, we all have an epic tea party. That is amazing. I feel... 
This is all so, I, you know, I was raised very similar in the way like my parents were, my mom was not raised religiously at all. My dad was raised super Irish Catholic and my mom comes from Judaism, but her parents didn't have money to bat mitzvah her yes. or take her to temple. You yeah. know, they were like very poor and you had yeah. to be a member or yes. something like yes. that. So she was not raised religiously. Um, and But their parents were pissed anyway that they got together. So when my brother and I came oh. along, they were very much like, Oh, well, we're, we don't have that in our household. We're skiish. New Yorkers. Skiish. What they said I was, always yes. think about skiish. So my parents said we were skiish because on weekends we were always on the mountain and my parents are really into nature. And so they said, well, on Sundays when everyone else is at church or Hebrew school, you're on the mountain. So you sort of are like a worshiper of nature, which is funny. It's sort of similar to oh, you. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't really remember asking the questions about God, but I remember feeling super special in elementary school when people would leave for, you know, um, for the holiday over the winter break. They would be like, well, are you celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah? As if those are the only two options. Right, 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 which is right. very frustrating. Yes. Um, but I would say, I get to do both. Right. Which I didn't really, because no one in my family knew how to do the prayers for Hanukkah or whatever. But my dad's family, Irish Catholic, I mean, we're talking, you go to Buffalo, New York, and there are Jesus on the cross hanging in everyone's rooms over the beds. You know, everyone goes to midnight mass on Christmas. And um, my husband is super Jewish and was raised... Um, going to Jewish sleepaway camp and really, really, it was a big part of his life. So he had never gone to a Catholic home. Yeah. So we treated him like baby's first Christmas. <laughs> like, Did you get like a big one? Yeah, he like, like, but now he loves it. And what's interesting is he has the biggest issue with, now that we're talking about how we're going to raise Albie, he has a really big issue with Easter. Like, he's like, I don't understand this. Like, it freaks him out, this like Christ resurrecting thing. So what's interesting yeah. about parenting is yeah. like, there are triggers for some reason. Right. Like, he's fine with Christmas. I'm cool with Passover. Yeah. He really wants there to be a Jewish sleepaway camp in there. And I'm like, does that mean the kid's away for eight weeks? Sign me up. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're sifting through, like, yeah, like his parents. Um, oh, it was big. You don't have a boy, but yeah. oh. the bris. Yeah, that's a big, big thing. Guys. Yeah. We could do a whole fucking episode well, on circumcisions because oh, absolutely. this is you should the do most an triggering thing because I have so many girlfriends who I love and respect yeah. who had boys at the same time I did yeah. and we had to have multiple conversations about whether that is um, humane. humane and it's, whether that is, um, yeah, like you are hurting your child well, and how to do it in thing. a way. I mean, it was bonkers and what's crazy if I was married to somebody else I right. may not have done it well the but I was is, married to someone traditionally we're that was rem- so willing to pass judgment on like ritual scarification like in National Geographic and like you know you grow up and you see you know pictures of like um women with like a, a plate in their, their lip, lip and stuff like that and it's ears, so whatever. easy to say oh that's so different than us but it's not it's not if you heard if you if if you know, in the West, circumcision was not a common thing. And right. I'm not, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a boy. I guess we'll, if You'll I see ever if do, you ever do that. We'll, we'll have to have you back on right, the right, circumcision yes. episode, guys, because holy shit. It's so fascinating because it's just one of those many things where it's so easy to see your own culture through this very accepting lens. And it's so easy to see what other people do around the world as so I mean, the whole there. thing is, 
I mean, children, it's really just such an opportunity to ask yourself these questions and, and see what fits right and how to sift through this stuff with whoever you're raising your baby with, whether it's a nanny, a yes. family, grandparents. Absolutely. You know, like, I feel tremendous pressure. Like, Adam's parents, yes. if I didn't bar mitzvah my kid, yeah. you know, yeah. there is something there of, like, you know, the, the Jewish people that he comes from have struggled a long time to yes. feel that they can be Jewish and do their things and not face hatred feel, and Semitism yes. and all this stuff. So I, so I feel that. Like I'm like I. They have you know. I think there's this saying like you. If you're a grandparent, you're not even considered Jewish unless your grandchildren are Jewish. That's because it means really you haven't done your job. Well, I will say I do think that there is a difference between passing on majority and minority customs. If you live in a place where you are a member of an oppressed group or minority, I think that that is, there is something about those traditions that I can understand a more of an impetus to drill that stuff into your kids than if it's like, well, this is what everybody in your whole neighborhood's doing and you never even heard of anybody not doing this. That I feel like the culture sort of takes care the, you know, to, the majority, to, to right, Christmas, it's not like stuff. I'm going to have to be like, look, sweetie, so there's this thing called Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, it's everywhere. She knows. She, knows. she already knows, right? A She's thousand not. movies. Right, exactly. Whereas I do feel like when you, and this is sort of part of the reason I do hang on to some of my Judaism, even though I don't believe, is that I'm like, you know, a lot of people didn't make it. And a lot of people were like, it would just, let, I'm just going to convert because it's easy. I mean, I mean, literally during the Inquisition, People were like, "This, they're gonna kill me. I'm just gonna not be Jewish yeah, right. and just hope no one ever finds out and that genetic testing is never invented and no one ever knows." Right. You know what I mean? And like now, all the time, I feel like I'm have these like, like six foot tall blonde friends who are like, "I just took, did Ancestry.com and I found out I'm Jewish," and I'm like, <laughs> "It's amazing." And so I kind of there is part of me that's like, "Wow, a lot of people really." got put through the ringer and risked their lives, truly, to hang on to this so that in 1982 I could be born Jewish and know that I was Jewish. You sure, know what I mean? Sure. So I think there is an element of that, but I also think there's a way to incorporate the stuff that you love and like recipes and expressions and say this is what your great-grandparents did, might not be what we believe, but this is what they believed, without um, you know, going through the motions about something that you feel half-hearted about because nobody likes that, and that's I think sometimes where the resentment comes. Oh, yeah. Is where people are like, "Well, I feel obliged," um, and so you have to. So we all have to feel obliged. You know, I think there's an element of that, and I also just think in all of this, for everyone, you know, as you're getting serious with someone and starting to think about having children, like broach some of these topics because yes, we I did. do think did. it's good to not just be standing over the baby and be like, so he has are a penis. Are we doing this? Yeah. Are we not? I mean, you know, I we had those conversations months before he was born because right. I knew it was going to be like a hot topic and right. I knew I didn't want to have him born. And I'm like, are we doing this right here in the hospital with a doctor? Right. Are we doing this at home in with a, a traditional, right. with a moil? Like, how do we feel safe right you know and again i think we maybe might have to do a circumcision episode but yeah you um, should absolutely <laughs> because i had a female moilette wow that's which amazing. they don't real there's not many of them but no. yes yes and she's a doctor well that's but, the thing is 
I mean, my parents made me get my ears pierced at the doctor's. So I, <laughs> so I feel like I'm I always having a medical you. professional yeah. around. I can't. Is it's good. always good. I just, in general, not even for like a procedure. Said I by just, the woman who knows what degree the earth rotates at. I literally have no idea. I was like, whoa, you're well, smart. now you know, 23. Um, so in wrapping up, yes. is there anything you would, I don't know, give advice in your, I mean, Helena's how old now? She is 13 months. Is there anything you would say in sifting through, yes, you and John agree in that you are both, <clears throat> I would say you don't believe. Correct. It, yeah. You know, you are not devout religious yeah, people. We're secular. Yeah. Yes. Which I really feel like I always have to secular. I have to enunciate. Yes. <laughs> otherwise, there's confusion. Yes. Sorry. Secular. Go on. Would you say anything to advise people who are in a relationship, maybe, and raising a child, like similar to you guys, where you are coming from two different traditional systems, um, and how you sift through that? I would say. Don't be afraid to invent stuff. Look at that. You know, never thought of that as an option, truly, until this conversation. Oh, good. I I think, you know, everything we celebrate around the world now sits atop the shoulders of something that someone celebrated before, right? You know, Christmas was Saturnalia once, which was probably stolen from something the Etruscans were doing. Every celebration around the world has some roots, and all this stuff that sort of pagan changing of the seasons. Um, you know, if you go back far enough in anybody's family, this is actually the most traditional kind of celebration. Because once upon a time, this is all we, right? There was no division between nature and science and religion. Right. It was all one, one thing. beautiful thing. And, you know, I think that there's something to be said for like, even if it seems like you have profoundly different points of view. There is an overlapping element and find that and celebrate, more celebrations the better, I think. You know, and I would say also just don't lie and it's okay to say I don't know when your kid asks you something. And it's okay to say I think this, somebody else. Might think something else. Might think something else and that's what's so, that's why there's so many beautiful stories and stories people. and legends and culture. And, you know, it's really all an art form. And I think it's right. It's like, you know, it's not like, oh, I love this painting. And so I can have no other paintings. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. And I, do, I just think, you know, there's beauty in all of it. And, you know, don't be afraid to make something up that takes a little bit of what one parent thinks and a little bit of what... <gasps> Guys, thing. my kid and my husband just showed up Yay! because they have to see the beautiful Sasha Sagan. God, hi, Thank boys. you, Sasha. You are... I mean, I can't wait for this. Like, you have to, like, when your book comes out, I'm going to devour it. Oh, my God. I will send like, you Like, this has been so helpful. I, from the Blossom bound. Day, yes. solstice celebration, yes. the axis of the world rotates at, I don't know what time. What time? Guys, <laughs> not it. raised by scientists. No, you are, you are amazing. Thank you so much, Katie. You're this welcome. is so fun. I just met the wonderful Yael Stone. Is that your, did you take your partner's name? No, you are no. Yael Stone, which is the best no. name ever. I'm also not married to him. Right, yeah. he is a, what do you call him? How do you introduce him? Uh, 
partner. still working on that. <laughs> we can workshop it. He's, he's the baby daddy. Nice. He's my boyfriend. Nice. Um, he's the guy. Boy, if I love He's the that. guy carrying the baby. I love it. Um, so you guys, we're talking about faith, religion, these huge, big trigger words and that that are a lot about how families work about blending them together and here like I mentioned we have Yael Stone she recently gave birth to her first child and um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit how you and your partner the conversations you may have had about planning to raise your child and are would you consider yourself an interfaith uh, relationship or I mean I know that's like such a title no, no. I guess I wouldn't. I wouldn't speak in those terms. I think what we're doing is bringing stories together, and um, Jack Beautiful. and I are, are both like big, um, big storytellers. That's you do our, that for a living, yeah. <laughs> and, and he does that for a living in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think the the traditions that we we come from, it's also about storytelling. So where do you come from? How are you so, raised? Well, I, I was raised uh, as a Jew, mm-hmm. and my my grandparents on my father's side came to Australia mm-hmm. post World War Two. My dad was three when he arrived in Australia from Czechoslovakia, oh. um, and his mother survived the camps. She married a Czechoslovakian man. Was she actually in a camp? Yeah. Her, oh, so my wow. dad's whole family w- was uh, was placed in a kind of ghettoized situation. Right. They were moved out of their home um, and moved into the homes of other people who were murdered mm-hmm. and um, put in a sort of prison-like situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and they managed to eke out a way to live, sometimes uh, a little under the radar. Wow. Um, so they lost, they only lost their father, so my great-great-grandfather, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, an incredible, an incredible record of survival in itself. Um, my father it, it, it was the son of a man who I don't know. Um, my grandmother decided he was not a good man to be around. Mm. That's all we know. Okay. For and whatever then, reason. For whatever reason. Okay. She took my three-year-old Dad. father from Czechoslovakia, what was then Czechoslovakia, mm. and got on a boat. By herself with a three-year-old? By herself. Holy shit. To These Sydney, Australia. Um, probably the, <laughs> the most different place you can imagine. Oh, my God. I mean, yes. Just in all, in all kinds of ways. Um, she got there, and she had my dad, who was little Drachumir Gunstein. Um, in Australia. In Australia. Like, that's his name? That is that is no longer his name. Wow. Um, his name is Harry Stone. <laughs> but little Drachumir was terribly cute um, and way, way out of his depth. I can only imagine how my grandmother felt. She later on met, met and married a man who was much older than her, who his name was Misha Stone, and he's my grandfather. Wow! So he like adopted your dad. He officially. Officially. Yeah. Wow. So my dad went from Drachumir. What a great Stein. dude! Yeah. You know, like great guy, <laughs> great guy. He is the man I think of as my grandfather, <laughs> and he left Russia in the very, very early 1900s. And before the whole. Before, but but. But still, escaping. In, yeah the pogroms in Russia. Mm. So he left for his family when he was 19. He said goodbye to his family. He never saw a single member of his family ever again. Um, 
and travelled, bounced around the world. He spent some time in New York, actually. Um, spent some time in Israel pre-1948, building in Israel. He was a builder. Um, he built in, in New York, where I now live half of the year, which is kind of magical, right? Yes. And then came to Australia as a builder, met my grandmother, adopted my father. Wow. So, so on, both, on, on both sides of my dad's family, there's this story of People of who survival. have run, yeah, and they've made it out by mm. themselves yeah. and such bravery. And... Yeah, yeah, and really, and really arrived in Australia in that diaspora and made a real life. Oh, so beautiful. Made a real life. Mm. And then Jack's family... Mm. Uh, his family's indigenous on his mother's side. So some people are not terribly familiar, particularly in the United States, with that story. Um, yeah, I know nothing about it. Like, nothing. It's, not a, it's not a happy story. Let's, right. let's start there. So Australia, in terms of its colonial history, is quite young. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically there will be some, some echoes of many colonial stories that, sure. that we hear. Um, so Captain Cook mm-hmm. arrived, and he arrived with a whole bunch of convicts. Uh, I've heard this about Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the idea was we have these we have these people. We don't know our jails are, are overflowing, and they found this place, this terra nullius, this place supposedly without anybody in it, which of course is a total myth. Oh. Um, Australia was populated by many, many different nation groups, indigenous groups in Australia, um, often nomadic cultures that would move around the land. So you wouldn't find things like, um, you know... Uh, suburbia? Yeah, you're not finding suburbia. You're finding uh, people that, that live and work with the land. Right, when it's run out or something, they move to another it's place. It's seasonal. Or, They're right. also cult- very complex... Um, kind of farming ideas, cultivating the land, making sure things mm-hmm. are, are deeply in balance. So so when you come to a, a land like that uh, and you see it deeply in balance, people reported it in some ways as empty. Um, but of course it's full of this, these rich cultures, very rich, diverse language structures, wow. and then all with so their cool. own song lines, so all with their own traditions, their own dances. Uh, their own explanations of the world, and they're all interacting in a very complex way. So, so far in Australia, we have evidence that goes back 60,000 years. There no way. 60,000 years. And, there, there, you know, there's a suggestion it could be longer than that. So these are some of the, the oldest traditions, surviving wow. traditions in the world. Wow. Um, a very deep, very rich culture. Now, what happened... Um, when this colonial culture arrived in Australia, <clears throat> it, there was the introduction of things like smallpox, sure. um, alcohol, uh, and then there was just the very purposeful eradication yeah. of different human other. Bye bye. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and you know there there are some stories where people there you know we hold on to tenuous kind of stories about about unions um, that were more fruitful, but. Across the board, it's a violent, shameful history. Mm-hmm. And it continues on in that Australia stole children from parents uh, of Indigenous people oh. and raised them in a white right. way. Right. Um, 
and it was this very this idea this very paternalistic idea of you know we'll make you white we'll make we'll you make you better. better we'll make you yeah and basically what what they made were a bunch of people who were completely dissociated from their culture from where they came from uh, and they made a lot of indentured servants mm-hmm. um, so in a lot of cases language was banned mm-hmm. and because it's an oral tradition Oh, the that stories are lost. You lose and, stories. Yeah. And Oof. so much of the story is in this intricate language. Um, and the languages are so many and varied that you kill it you kill it just a little and it's and it's gone. Mm. Um, so it's a it's a very powerful and and in a lot of ways has been told as a sad story because obviously there's a lot of violence, there's yeah. a lot of mistreatment. And loss and, and loss pain. and pain. And and this is where this is where I kind of bring I guess Jack's storytelling in, and Jack uh, runs a charity called AIM, which teaches young Indigenous kids in Australia and has done for the last fourteen years um, to see their Aboriginality as strength. Wow! And, and he said, "How cool!" Yeah, it's amazing. So wow. he says basically, "Listen, you're the, the inheritance of sixty thousand years of survival." Wow! You, you, this, That's fucking this awesome. Is, this is something so that cool. lifts you up. It doesn't bring you down. Right. Um, so he's been doing that in Australia since he was nineteen, retelling that story. You know, reminding people, "No, this is not. This is not a weakness. This is a strength." Wow. Um, and now he's taking it all around the world. And this is going to. I mean, and wow. I mean. Jack sounds awesome, A. <laughs> B, this is going to be, this is like a huge part of your child's upbringing. I mean, exactly. this is going to be... Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so this retelling of, of strength and power to this little person who's the recipient of this European Jewish story mm-hmm. and this indigenous story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Jack's dad is white. Mm-hmm. I am white. Mm-hmm. Pemau, our daughter has white skin right uh and a traditional indigenous name so how do you spell it p-e-m-a-u it's beautiful thank you thank you and of course it's really difficult you know people are like oh my gosh <laughs> what's her name oh, yeah what is her name yeah. and you're like okay her name is Pemau. Yeah. and they're like oh does it and have meaning like what is it so she Pemau is uh our baby's great 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 grandmother and Pemau was the only survivor of the only female survivor of a huge massacre mm. of, of his family mm. of his tribe the Bunjalung people mm. which are in the north west part of New South Wales in Australia should that mean anything to <laughs> um, but uh, she, that is that is a story that Jack's mum has told us, and 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 you know, pretty early on, we said if she, if this baby's a girl, that we needs to be the name. name, and and it's a kind of heavy inheritance, right? But it's we retell the story differently, and it's it's a story of survival right. and pride. And without that woman, mm-hmm. you know, Bronwyn, mm-hmm. Jack's mum isn't here. Jack's mm-hmm. not here. Jack's sister. Sisters right here, you know, and it's the same in a kind of similar parallel way to your story in that, and so many stories I hear with people, you know, with Jewish roots, it's it's a lot of times family would move and change their name. You yeah. know, they were you can you can spin the story either way of it being a really negative thing and something yeah. that 
you know, people used to move anywhere to America, Australia, being Jewish and try to hide it, pretend to be other, mm-hmm. you know, you, we were talking yesterday, you hear these stories of people doing 23andMe with, that are super, super white or raised mm-hmm. non-Jews and they find out they have a little bit in them and it's because someone back then pretended they weren't. Absolutely. But what's great is you're taking both of your stories and really making them so beautiful mm-hmm. and powerful and it's about strength and Absolutely. survival and... I think, you know, when we, we tell stories, I, I'm, I'm sort of solidifying this idea in my life at the moment. We tell stories for two reasons. To either tell the world who we are mm-hmm. or tell ourselves who the world is, you know? And, wow. yeah. and our names are the first story we tell. Um, so we're, we're tiny little people and we learn, you know, mama and daddy and... But then we learn how to say our own name. Mm. And for me, Yael, I, you know, in Australia, it's even l- less common than it might be here. And, you know, it's kind of this great struggle as a kid and people said it wrong and people spelt, you know, my teachers spelt it wrong for of years. Course. I, I spelt my of name wrong for years because people are like, what the hell is this thing? Mm. Um, and, and in, but in that story, even in the struggle. Yael is a very Jewish name. Very. Were you named after somebody, or were you? No, I was. I was named after my. Uh, my parents lived in Israel for a time. It was a really special time for them. Um, and my mom, they were on a kibbutz. My mom looked after oh, awesome. a little girl whose name was Yale, and um, and they liked her very much. And they were like, "Well, this is the third kid. We've run out of ideas. Let's go with Yale." <laughs> um, but but for me, it's very complicated because I'm not a practicing. Jew. Mm-hmm. I, I am proud of where my family come from. I feel Jewish, mm-hmm. but I'm not practicing. Right. But I'll still go to synagogue. <laughs> so so in a, you're like, you feel culturally Jewish I, and not absolutely. maybe religiously Jewish. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that deeply in, in the ways that I think, in uh, the interactions I have with the world, the, the framework that I'm coming from, that lens that I'm looking through feels very Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, the religiosity of it, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't sure. sit well. And sure. I had a whole you know, moment with that when I was coming up to do my Mitzvah and I said to my dad, hey, look, I don't feel it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel it. And I think it feels wrong to stand up in, a front, in front of a group of people and, and say, oh, this is who I am. What did I'm, your dad say? Well... Well, we, he had always, he had raised me in this way that was a very direct conversation about, um, a, a almost kind of adult conversation about ideas back and forth, That's questioning right. things. Mm-hmm. And in a way, he kind of he shot himself in the foot because here he was sitting with this 12-year-old who had a pretty reasoned argument, which was like, I don't think it's right to stand up and lie about this deeply believe something. important thing. Yeah. Um, and he had to say, well, I... I've raised I've raised you to be able to speak and think in this way, and and this is one of the fruits of of, of that kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how he feels about that. I'm sure it was pretty heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. You know, my brother and my sister, who were older than me, went through the whole process, and um, and I didn't. And you know, wow. So you decided you were not by mitzvah. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's that's pretty ballsy for a twelve-year-old. <laughs> oh, I was really self. Like that's really I was ballsy. A pain in the ass. <laughs> that's so ballsy. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. 
Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes, clothing that not only promises but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note are the chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us Will you raise him out to be as precocious no, as like, me? Yes, like is she going to grow up going to synagogue? Are there indigenous um, <laughs> rituals and traditions? You know, I, I know that Jack is ancestrally 
uh, Aboriginal, but was did, did was he raised at all with other faith? Did he celebrate Christmas? Did he celebrate Easter? Were any of these traditions or well, what else is in there? Yeah, yeah. Such a great question. Mm-hmm. It's so complicated. I'm sure that this is like everyone's. Well, what's really cool country. about this mo- <laughs> this world right now we live in? It's it's. I mean, there's just a lot of. I'm around. I've said this before, but like, so my husband is a practicing Jewish man. I was really raised atheist by my parents. And then my nanny, who is a very, very important part of my family structure with my son, is very, very Christian. Mm. Um, you know, reads the Bible every day. And so we're a functioning group of three adults, like raising a child. Yeah. And what does that look like when yeah. holidays come around or when the child's old enough to ask really difficult questions? Yeah. Um, So this episode is really, again, a selfish way of figuring out how the hell other people are doing it. Yeah. There you are, telling stories and sharing stories. Yeah, like what are we doing? Yeah. 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 So what do you what do you plan to do? Are there well, plans, or are you figuring I, it out as you go? Figured out. It's yeah. All Did you have these out. conversations before <laughs> while you were pregnant? Like I'm clearly lying when I say I have these figured out because I have nothing yeah, figured none out. None of us do. It's um, I kind of feel like anyone who says they've got it entirely figured out, you should back slowly away from that yeah, person. No, we have no um, idea. I I think that Pemel will have the opportunity to learn about everything and the opportunity to engage with it um, actively. And and we're going to bring those opportunities to her again and again and again as she grows up. And then ultimately there'll come a time where she works out how, where things sit with her um, and, and that will be her own, her own journey. choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So are you going to offer her like... Because I think about this, I'm like, well, okay, he, he's going to, you know, my grandmother is one of the closest people in the world to me, and she's incredibly Irish Catholic, and mm. I love Christmas with her. I mm. just do. Mm. And, like, while she's here on this earth, like, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Or while she's here in my life, like, that's yeah. what we're doing. Um, and then I think, you know, a bar mitzvah is very important to my husband's parents. Yeah. But So I'm going to ask my kid are you down with Hebrew school? Like, what? Yeah. Do, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Like, are we going to get... And I how don't... wonderfully rich is that? Yes. Like, do you... It's really... Postmodern. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, it's just really... Yeah. I never... And, you know, Adam and I have been together for 12 years, and it's always been fine and fun, and we tend to do the things that are fun. Yeah. <laughs> we tend to do the ones that involve, like, like drinking and Apples yelling. And, and yeah, yeah. Like, we love all that stuff. Um... But I do think when you have a child, it really does change things because I think you really, um, I think that people, when he, you know, when he gets asked what he is, like, what, it, what will he say? I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, identity is uh, a many beautiful and varied thing mm-hmm. as we move forward, right? Like, it's, it's not... Um, it's not one and thing. And see, Pimau's only three months. She's, so you haven't really like been through like a holiday season with her yet. No, all I know I'm is... I'm not sure what Australia is like at Christmas, yeah. but like is it similar where like the carols no are snow. on? There's no snow. It's very hot. Are there carols on in the stores the minute Thanksgiving? Oh, you don't have Thanksgiving. We don't have Thanksgiving. <laughs> We're never giving thanks. Um, yeah. <laughs> P.S. That holiday oh, is the most it, confusing oh, it's and very messed conf- up holiday. Yeah, it's very confusing. I have come oh, we across. talk about this all the time. Like we, <laughs> like it's very. 
Ooh, it's dark. It's so dark. It's so, so, <laughs> it's, so, so dark. It's, it's so, so dark. Yeah. It's so dark. But we have, we, it's, it, it's, look, I'm sure it's many things for many people. Um, you can't avoid it and in the same yep. way. Um, I, I, I want to de-emphasize presence for her. I find the whole presence thing a lot. That's amazing and good for you. So what does that mean? It's so over-fucking-whelming. Yes. Like, what the fuck? Like, I cannot take it. Oh, gosh. So what will you do? Give her one thing? Give her nothing? Well, I don't know. I think it's more about, like, the other people in your life, right? Like, you, how do you say to grandparents because they get that look in their eyes? It's like, please let me spoil them. Yeah. Please, like, let, let, yes, of course. It's kind of vampiric, right? Cause I'm new to it. I'm, like, looking at my mother and my father and just like, you guys are different. What happened? Do you oh, they're losing their mind. They're grandparents. Yes, yeah. they do. They're just sort of graspy and... So yeah. have you gone through... So you haven't had Hanukkah yet? No, but look, we haven't done anything yet. We haven't done anything. And... They're still probably reeling from the shock of the fact that we had a baby and then left Australia two months after that. So it's been a bit of a wild ride. Like we've done because you had to go back to work so early. Yeah, exactly. Well, let me tell you, as a new mom going through a holiday season, it (laughs) makes you turn into a psychopath. Like I can't believe who I became his first Christmas. Again, I am not practicing Catholic. Christian, like I don't know much about it. You're dressing up like oh baby, baby my Jesus. God, I'm <laughs> running around to the Mariah Carey's Christmas album at the top of oh, my lungs, drinking fucking eggnog, and like, but like, I couldn't have been more in the Christmas spirit <laughs> with my child because I was so jolly. Like I truly was. Like I was so, and it was so. I was so excited to have that with my. Parents, and here's my like super Jewish husband. Like, what in the fucking hell is going on? But let's not shit on your job. Yes, yeah, right? but it was great. It nice. was great. It was great. And it, I really, I don't know, like, what would I mean? It's just gonna be this really crazy ride, I guess. Yeah. And I guess we figure it out as we go. Yeah. When Pimau asks you a tough question, what are you gonna say? I'm gonna explain that. That, I, that notion of stories and storytelling and where we come from and that, that as she grows up, it's, it's kind of the journey of our lives to tell our stories. Mm. And as we collect characters along the way, we weave them in. Uh, and, and as we talk to people who are important to us, we start to understand ourselves. So if she talks to her barbin, which is Jack's mother, uh-huh. um, she'll have stories to tell her oh, that, so nice. that will have a richness that will inform her, her stories along the way. Um, she'll, she'll go and be part of community that won't be open to me. Right. Um, and, and that's completely okay with, with me. Mm-hmm. You know, she has a different bloodline. Story line. and she has a different, different story yeah. to me, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's actually giving someone space to carve what feels right to them. You know, and, and she has this incredibly long name. Her name is Pemau Manning Stone Bancroft. And in that... Oh, my God. <laughs> that is beautiful. <laughs> we were on set the other day, and, and Kate Mulgrew, who plays Red, was like, no, this is not Can you imagine her at preschool? Oh, my name is Pemau Manning Stone Bancroft. And we were like, Kate, great challenge. Yeah, but we're it's gonna, so beautiful because you really felt this... We're going to have just off her name. You have this real... <laughs> investment in where she comes from and that she's so 
it's so awesome that she's here. Yeah. And that she's a mix of all these amazing people who made it. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, and, and, you know, in, in arriving on this uh, wonderfully complicated earth at this wonderfully complicated <laughs> time, you know, she, her, her birth story wasn't particularly easy. She, she wasn't breathing when she arrived. And, oh. and she and herself re- reenacted this strength and this survival immediately. You know, wow. and then she looked up at us with these eyes that said, like, I see you and I see you and I'm here. It was the cl- it was the clearest message I've ever received in my oh, whole life. Cry. And um and and that's and like that's the moment her story begins. That's wow. the moment her survival begins. And wow. Yeah. Yael, if there is anything you could say to couples out there who are maybe parenting and and weaving different stories or the same stories they're totally in line but maybe they're feeling challenged because their kid doesn't feel the same way or I don't know Mm. is there any little nugget no pressure that you have found helpful I think I can only think of my my childhood and and think of the richness that I got from from the tradition that I was raised in, and even though in some ways I suppose I've rejected mm-hmm. some parts of that, that doesn't mean there's no value in that, in mm-hmm. that story. Even in the act of saying, you know, this doesn't feel right to me, mm-hmm. you still start somewhere mm-hmm. and you start with something to work from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a, a strong position isn't a bad thing. Um, I think a, a, a level of rigorous interaction with these ideas is good i don't think we should avoid them yeah um and and we have a human history has a a long notion of trying to identify itself in all different kinds of ways so we will always grasp to do that um and whether it's as i said in opposition to something that's given to you or really taking on board an identity that's given to you um that's crucial and you know I know when Jack and I have talked about his his experience with with his his aboriginality that the key thing for him and this will be different for for everybody else and you know I, I I speak only from what he's told me but for him being around other aboriginal people that's the most important thing for him right so so just sharing that proximity sharing that conversation yeah sharing that space um, and for other people, perhaps it's engaging with the text or going to a place. Right. Um, all these things have richness and... Value. Yeah, value. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I cannot thank you enough, Yael Stone, mother of Pimau... Manning Stone Bancroft. <laughs> the beautiful mother of the beautiful Pimau. Thank you for being on Katie's Crib. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening and for your amazing feedback and tweets and messages and reviews and sharing Katie's Crib with your friends and your family. It means so, so much to me. So please keep it coming and check us out on Shondaland.com. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.